the rest of the year you live like an absolute fucking king. Hello everyone and welcome to another festive edition of Films on Trial. This week, we're doing the night before. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And just like the night before, we're the perfect stoners Xmas entertainment, which definitely is true, <laughs> uh, with maybe the exception of Love Actually last week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that'll give you a, a little, freak out. A little it? angry, that, yeah. <laughs> I imagine would send stoners <laughs> spiraling into a paranoid <laughs> frenzy. Uh, seriously, though, if you've never heard this show, then hold on to your nutcrackers because we're about to have ourselves a ball. Essentially, we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There's also a whole host of other hilarious shenanigans to keep you entertained, including a cheerful caption contest, a top-notch quiz, some average impressions, some merry xylophone playing, some festive sound effects, and a whole lot of banter. So, do stick around. Now, this week's film on trial is the 2017 comedy The Night Before. Is it Rogan Josh, or is it Rogan Tosh? <laughs> now that joke only works if you have knowledge of a indian cuisine and b old english slang (laughs) what's that got to do with the night before though seth rogan Rogan. oh okay rogan josh means funny josh was funny there's there's a lot of links you went to for that one i I will say that is probably the best joke i've ever (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna retire now on a high goodbye everybody Uh, now, now, uh, just to say this episode will be very, very spoilerific. So if you haven't seen it yet, you can listen to this episode after you've watched it. It's available on Amazon Prime at the moment. Although I did have to pay to buy it on PlayStation Store for £2.50 because somebody, I'm not going to name any names, was using my Prime account to watch The Good Wife. <laughs> <laughs> Is this before or after Bikini Mexico? <laughs> no, it's my wife. <laughs> now, you can just trust our judgments alternatively, or you can fast forward to our quiz this week brought to us by the lovely Joel, which will start around the 40-odd minute mark, I reckon. Now, before we go Didn't on... Didn't we say that last week? Yeah. It started about the one hour 25. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be such an intense debate as it was last week. Oh, you wait. <laughs> now, before we go on, uh, our last film on trial was Love Actually. <laughs> I, I don't recall there being gunfire. <laughs> there should have been. Uh, now... <laughs> Joel, you judge the trial and you deem that it should be placed on the hit list. Now, you've since gone away and watched Love Actually, uh, your annual viewing, I imagine. Uh, what do you reckon? Did you make the right call? Um, well, I didn't actually go away and, love, and watch Love Actually because I feel like it had been played over in my head. <laughs> <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, but I've seen it more than enough times. My wife also enjoys it and watches it every single year. Um I don't like it, that's my personal opinion, but I think there's probably more people that like it than dislike it, especially in my experience and the amount of people that I've spoke to. So I think it's probably the right call, but you know, I'm sure all of us wish it wasn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you are. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for that, Joel. And now before we go into the bulk of the show, I think it's time for Alex's Film Feels. I'm actually going to pass it over to Dave. It's his film feels this time. Oh, let me oh, give him okay. better music. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Joking, sorry. I appreciate it. It's playing in my head. 
Um, yeah, we were discussing this one. There's not really much to do with the night before. You know, very forgettable film. There's not much to do. Really <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That was a cheap shot. That was a cheap shot. But we were thinking what might be a good one is best cameo by a musician as themselves. There we go. Mm. I'm going to open the gate on this one and say Alice Cooper in Dark Shadows. As, uh, as Johnny Depp calls him in that, ugliest woman I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I'm frantically trying to think. What about David Bowie in Zoolander? Yes. I think yes, that was a very absolutely. good Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was, there was an uh, impromptu fashion, like, walk, mm-hmm. cat walk-off, wasn't there? Yeah. And he was the judge, I think, you know, like, he was the perfect person for that. And he plays it completely for laughs. Very, very good uh, cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex? Uh, it's not as themselves, but Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers is in The Big Lebowski, and I always oh, forget okay. he's in it until I watch it again, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> why is Flea in this film? Does that count, Dave? Uh, I'll let you have it. You oh. know, we'll, we'll say he was himself. Yeah. What about, Thanks. Um, Thanks, buddy. What's his face that did White Wedding in The Wedding Singer? Billy oh, yeah, Idol. Does he, play Idol. Him, does he play himself? He does, yeah, he does yeah, play Billy we Idol. I'm having Billy Idol. Well done, mate. <laughs> I'm, having, good I'm having him. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, he's big. <laughs> I'll go for Alice Cooper in uh, Wayne's World. Oh, good oh, one. Also yes, a good one. And any musician in Wayne's World. Yeah, and any yeah. Alice Cooper cameo, to be yeah. honest with you as well. Prince man. of Darkness. Only yeah. <laughs> that was himself. Yeah. He didn't even realise he was being filmed. He played just a like, really angry, violent hobo. I mean, or himself. It's uh, just what are you going to do when you're not on tour, you know? <laughs> I just thought of another one as well. We've we spoken about this one before. Ray Charles in Spy Hard playing a bus driver. Oh. <laughs> what, what a great... I don't know how he didn't break out into movies after that. <laughs> <laughs> I was also maybe James Brown in The Tuxedo. Tuxedo, terrible film. But just to see Jackie Chan floor James Brown, it was just, that, that was brilliant. I forgot that bit. What about Michael Jackson in Men in Black 2? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, moving oh on, moving on. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, Dave. Was he in that? Your, he, he played an, an alien in the background, didn't he? Oh, uh, yeah. oh did he? Or an agent. Oh, yeah. in Neverland. <laughs> moving anyway, on. Move move on. on. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dave, for a festive film feels. I like it, thank you. Oh. <laughs> okay, uh, so thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, so, on to the bulk of the show. As mentioned before, this week's film on trial is going to be... Come on, Gav, don't let us all down. <laughs> the night before... I can't even remember what note it starts on. Hang on. A. No. G. Uh, I've never really listened to that uh, xylophone. And whenever you play a note, it has this really weird like noise a... at the end of it. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's like a really remix. Gone, it's really gone all out on making it sound like a shit xylophone. No, that's yeah. just me. Oh, right. <laughs> the app itself is flawless. It's just my playing. Even when I'm playing all the right notes, I'm doing it incorrectly. Anyway, uh, this has uh, been picked out of our very festive hat at random. And it was recommended to us by my Amazon recommendations list, which, <laughs> yeah, which has brought me such classics as, no joke, Velocipasta, uh, a film about, <laughs> a film about a pasta who gets bitten by a velociraptor. <laughs> about pasta? Yeah, like a priest. Oh, oh I thought you meant I, I, P-A-S-T-A. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking like Italian like cuisine. A, a velociraptor yeah. that just really likes pasta. pasta no, yeah. no, a priest who gets bitten oh, by a, by no, a no. raptor. Well, what happens however, to he turns I, into a velociraptor? Every or? time he's angry, yeah. Oh my Christ. And he's very angry for some reason. Like a werewolf. <laughs> Yeah, like a, well, yeah, like the Hulk, but uh, with uh, with the dinosaur. Uh, <laughs> Amazon also recommended me the truth about UFOs in Russia. I mean, I don't know what you've been listening to, but it's not true. And the, of course, the all-time classic Bikini Med School. 
which, as Alex will attest, <laughs> it is a classic. Uh, now, all of the roles have also been picked out of the hat at random, so in the defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me and Joel. Now, I'm a little bit like Anthony Mackie's Chris. I regularly get things inserted into my bottom to help me perform better. I'm talking to joke about my annual colonoscopies, you sick, sick people. Anyway, Joel is a little bit like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Ethan. He always looks like he's having a miserable time. He's rubbish at Goldeneye on the N64. And he's the of one. all the things <laughs> that, that hurts the most. <laughs> I was going to say and you're the one most likely to be beaten up by Santa, but I think that I don't, don't think anything will cut harder than that. Goal. <laughs> uh, acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave and Alex. Dave is a little bit like Mindy Kaling's character Sarah. I didn't write her name down. I think it's Sarah. Twenty uh, percent fun, eighty percent sensible. And he's received his fair share of dick pics in the past. <laughs> I will say most of them have been from me though. <laughs> and Alex is just like Michael Shannon's Mr. Green. He's actually a really intellectual and insightful guy, but he just looks like he lives in a bin. <laughs> now, just like real court advocates, we'll be making the best case for our roles. These may or may not be our genuine thoughts, though, so do stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear our real thoughts. Which means that this week, Ozzy has the most important role as he will be playing the judge. Austin is just like Seth Rogen's Isaac. He's bearded, bespectacled, and gets absolutely smashed at parties. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, he's also prone to large quantities of red liquid exiting, <laughs> exiting his face when he's drunk. <laughs> that was one time. <laughs> Talking about that time when he threw up what looked like half a bottle of tomato ketchup on a weekend away. Uh, anyway, Ozzy... <laughs> Could have been internally bleeding, by the way. Ozzy <laughs> 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 like... <laughs> must decide which list of films should be placed on hit or shit based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Which is good because he hasn't seen the film. Uh, now, before I think I might, oh, I think I might have seen the film, but I can't remember. Listen, it. Listen, if it's you, the, yeah, I think you've seen it. Was it yeah. Lolita? Yeah. Was it the night before? <laughs> <laughs> Very forgettable. We'll soon film, find man. out. <laughs> there was a film in 1988 called The Night Before, which starred Keanu Reeves. Right, and it's just a good job that you're not defending or prosecuting because I just imagine you would have watched that film. <laughs> but talking halfway through, yeah, and Keanu Reeves is just shit in it. <laughs> Without that, there would no be no Matrix. <laughs> Without that, there'd have been no uh... <laughs> no John Wick. This is the catalyst for John Wick. Uh, now, before, um, well, yeah, before we get started, I think we should give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. So here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week it has landed on Dave. Now, how would we like Dave to read out the Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. I was thinking Michael Shannon. Oh, Seth no, Rogen. Seth how do you do a Seth Rogen? <laughs> <laughs> Just to it's kind quite, of go like gloff, John gloff, C. Riley, is that you? <laughs> Halfway between Gav and Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have a go. I'm not sure I can do a Seth Rogen, but I'll have a go. On Christmas Eve, three lifelong friends spend the night in in New York City looking for the Holy Grail of Christmas parties. It's an amazing Randy Newman impression. No, but if Bobcat Goldthwait met Randy Newman, that's that's kind of what you got there. Put that to a tune, you could make a lot of money. (laughs) A couple of Oscars in the (laughs) bag. 
Well, that's brilliant. That's a nice way to get started. Um, okay, so I, I think we had a some sort of summary there, but uh, <laughs> can can we have a let's start as we we usually do. And let's have a bit of a rundown of the plot and story from the defense, if you don't mind. Um, uh, yep, I can do it. Um, so it essentially uh, revolves around three friends and. Uh, so that's uh, Joseph Govan Levitt plays Ethan, then you've got Seth Rogen, who's Isaac, and Anthony Mackey, who plays Chris. And um, Ethan, he he loses his parents around Christmas time when he's, I don't know, like kind of 17, 18. And obviously, uh, he's sad. Yeah. <laughs> and so his, t- his two friends say, you know, you're not going to be alone on Christmas. We'll make a tradition where every single year we'll go out and just get absolutely fucking hammered. But they start doing that, and then they kind of come across this party, the Nutcracker party, and they don't really know how you get an invite to the party or where it is. So every Christmas is just about finding that party. And then, okay. you know, kind of as they grow up, as people do, um, you know, Seth Rogen's character and Anthony Mackie, um, he becomes like a big sports star, and Seth Rogen, his wife, uh, becomes pregnant, and they kind of don't want to do the whole Christmas tradition anymore. And, mm-hmm. uh Ethan, he's kind of stuck in his ways. Uh, he hasn't committed to a, a relationship. Um, and he's very much kind of still living in the past a little bit. Um, so they, they decide to have one last hurrah type of thing. So this Christmas is the last time that they're going to go out. Uh, and then they, well, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, he finds uh, some tickets to the Nutcracker Ball. And it's just basically about that night. And so they, they go out, they get pissed. Uh, like Seth Rogen, um, he does loads of drugs, and you know it, it's it, it, it's a really fun ride. And I think it's one of those films where um, you know it's not going to blow anyone's socks off. But I think more people, the more people that watch it, I think I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them, um, you know, add it to their annual uh, kind of Christmas list as in you know films that they watch every year, every Christmas. Because the first yeah. time I saw it, like I enjoyed it. You know, it's one of those, it's it's different. You know, there's so many Christmas films that come out and they're just absolute garbage. And this will make you laugh. And there is a decent Christmas message in there as well. It's not just like, you know, about about drugs, about, you know, hilarity and that type of thing. There is a, a, a decent Christmas message. It, it might be one that we've, that we've seen a lot before, uh, but it's still, but it's still a good one. And it, it, it all ends well, basically, you know, it's a, it's a happy story. They get to go to the party, um, Joseph Govan Levitt's kind of grows up. He commits to a relationship. He gets the girl in the end. Uh, Seth Rogen, he, he, he has a baby. And uh, yeah, it, it's just a nice kind of heartwarming film. So it's kind of like, a, I mean, and it's across the space of one night, is it? Or, yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah. It, it's across just literally a night and then it ends in the morning on, on Christmas Day. So it's a, like a growth story through Christmas, a standard Christmas uh like a standard Christmas message, but done across one night for a yeah. party. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, prosecution. What, what? What's the issue with that? What's your well, problem? Just to differ from last week, I'd just like to say, Joel, I really respect your opinion on everything. And oh, uh, cheers, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously I disagree with you on some points, but that doesn't it's, mean it's fine. You know, <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't respect friends you, can disagree. Who you are as, as who you are. Uh, I, you know, I'd agree with like quite a lot of what Joel said there. That's because I just literally said the plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, more the points when uh, Jesus, I was trying to be nice. <laughs> but, uh, more when you're saying like you know, there's um, 
It's not going to blow your socks off. I agree with that, most of all. <laughs> like, um, Screw this, you, man. <laughs> we were friends. No, no, let's not, let's not go into that. <laughs> there was a, there's just nothing in the film that's, that's really stand out memorable that's going to make this film a proper Christmas classic. There's a few good bits in it, and there's a few nice little, you know, it's a, it's a Christmas film, like I think Dave mentioned this with Bad Mom's Christmas when he was trying to defend it. <laughs> Something you can have on while you're doing your rapping, and you're not really going to be that bothered about it. You're not going to hate it particularly, but there's yeah. nothing to really get behind either. So it's it's just, it's not, I don't think it will make people's annual Christmas. It'll be like, if it's on, yeah. Okay, but it's not going to, you're not going to seek it out. Okay. Just because there's nothing particularly special going on. And a lot of the comedy and a lot of the characters you've kind of seen before, like, it, I think if you'd seen Seth Rogen hadn't, if you'd never seen him doing drugs before and sort of, um, you know, he does play up, the, the being Jewish thing is played quite hard in this film, to be honest. And it just feels a little bit like, yeah, I've seen this before and nothing really surprised me. So I was just a bit bored. Yeah. Okay. Bye. All right, Gav, I see you waving your hand there. So it's, um, it's been nice. Okay. Well, we got the, essentially, <laughs> essentially it's just <laughs> a bog standard, it's a bog standard affair. It's filled with jokes that we've already heard before. It's not bringing anything new and what it does bring isn't particularly good. I, th- I would disagree. I would say that I, I can see where Alex is coming from. Thank you. I, I really I respect his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing is, is that I don't think we've seen this too much from a Christmas film. I think, you know, if Alex is talking about like the films of Seth Rogen or he's talking about that sort of what they called the, the, the Brat Pack, is it? You know, with, um, you know, uh, whoever. The Brat Pack it. was like Kiefer Sutherland. No, no, it's, it's like it's James Franco. The new, the new the, oh, sorry, the Brat Pack, pack, the with, pack. Uh, with Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn and all that lot. Yeah. We've seen mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, their, their type of films before, but we haven't seen it in a Christmas setting. And I think one of the things that made Christmas films so, so popular is that they're sort of familiar. So, you know, they tell us a similar sort of tale. They tell, they have similar themes. And that's why people enjoy watching them because they remind them of, you know, like a, you know, a, a time when they previously watched them or they remind them of something that happened in their life or a familiarity of, or a sense of family or Christmas or whatever. Now, with this film, you've got that. You've got all the core ingredients for a good Christmas film, but you've also got the ingredients of a good sort of frat comedy film as well, which is something that you could watch you know, annually and it didn't have to be a Christmas, for example, say something like Old School or The Hangover or whatever. Mm -hmm. You've got that humour, but with the Christmas sort of ingredients involved as well. So I think that it's a coming together of those two types of film in something that we haven't really seen that much of before. So that's why I would agree with Joel and say that this could make your regular annual viewing because, it, you know, it is original. It's unique in its own way without being too original and unique. Yeah, okay, so it's familiar, but it's still got some originality, Dave. Uh, mm. is that- it is all too familiar, I have to agree with that point. It is essentially the hangover with Christmas jumpers. There's not much else to it, that's all it is. It's just, it is the hangover remade, and I agree with Alex completely. I agree with his opinion, which he is entitled to have. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I welcome your support. Because this is an opinion-based <laughs> podcast, and we're not baiting each other anymore. But um, I, I agree with what he's saying about Seth Rogen. He's again playing the same character we've seen from Seth Rogen time and time again. You know, it is that kind of man-child sort of character that he's playing. Yeah. And it, it, the script is written that way as well. You know, he was given this part for a reason. You know, when he goes out with his mates, his pregnant wife gives him a little box which as she says contains every drug on earth 
so he can have a really good night. And he's like, I worry about the Christmas message getting a little diluted. It's like their idea of a great Christmas night out with the mates was to get absolutely off their faces on drugs with no repercussions. Drugs aren't even uh, portrayed accurately in this. You know, it's like one of them should have died by now or, <laughs> or been arrested or something, you know, but there's no repercussions to it. And it's just that him and his mates are getting stoned, getting drunk, doing all kinds of drugs, doing a lot of cocaine. And just it, it's it, the Christmas message is diluted. Joel says he finds the tickets to the Nutcracker Ball. He steals them. He steals them from someone else. And because the guy is a bit short, <laughs> I mean short as in short-tempered, okay, it's, yeah. it's okay, it's acceptable to steal from people who are short-tempered. Find keepers, Christmas. Dave, is the yeah, But stealers, <laughs> stealers, what do stealers do? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I steal stuff. I thought was founded on finders keepers. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the stuff that's in my house, I had to rob from here. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to counter what Dave just said there. I think that, like, it's, it is, you don't have to be wholesome to be Christmassy. You know, look at films like Bad Santa or whatever, you know, just because they're doing like drugs and just because they're getting smashed or whatever, it doesn't mean that there's a Christmas message in this film. And it, this isn't a kid's film, this isn't a family film, this is an adult film at Christmas, which you don't get a lot of these days when they come to make Christmas films. A lot of them are marketed at like kind of below 15, so PG 13, mm-hmm. whatever, and even younger, because what they want to do is try and get more people to come along to watch it. So they will dilute a lot of the violence or a lot of the, you know, drug use or whatever in fact there probably won't be any of that involved in it at all uh, with with this it's like no we, what we want to do is we want to write our film and we want to set it at christmas we want to write our own christmas film and you know if you go out i mean like we all here have been out on christmas eve and got absolutely smashed i mean i can regale the listeners here with some terrible tales of being absolutely drunk singing beatles songs at 3am in the morning going down the road and you know just all we're missing there is just a a, a bag of drugs <laughs> you know, you know, i think this is something that other people can relate to and you know people of like our age and above or slightly below can actually relate to going out and getting and absolutely smashed with your friends and having a good time at Christmas. Yeah, okay. My, my problem is Ed, I don't feel like I'd almost like disagree with Dave. <laughs> Sorry, Dave, but like, like it, I, I do, I do think, yeah, the, the, it's not a wholesome message. But also, I don't feel like they're committed to the unwholesome message. There's no um, moment in it where it goes totally chaotic. There's a bits where it's like you know a bit mad and something like that. But there's no like wow moment when you're like this is totally out of hand they've gone completely past it so it never feels like it really it's not wholesome like dave's saying but it's not wild and completely anarchic as well so it, i don't feel if it had a moment where you just like things had gone absolutely mayhem yeah, so it doesn't doesn't go as far as the hangover uh, yeah, it, for it, example it, it, so it's neither one nor the other really okay joe what about you you thinking does it go far enough on on the wholesome message you brought up the fact that it does have a christmas message i think so i think all all of the characters have have an arc essentially you know like ethan he kind of starts off like um he makes uh, basically the reason why his girlfriend's brought up with him is that he wouldn't meet her family and then like his two mates um they basically say you know you're a fucking idiot you know she was lovely uh, you should have done it. And by the end of the night, you know, he, he realizes that and he tries to reconcile with her and he says, and she says, do you want to come in and meet my family? And he's like, you know, yeah. Uh, Seth Rogen, he he spends the full night like kind of worrying about having his baby, you know, as you would. It's a, it's yeah, yeah. a very kind of real life issue and he, and, he, and he deals with that throughout the night and then the morning comes and he kind of realizes, you know, actually, you know, I'm ready to be a, a father. And then... Um, Anthony Mackie's character, he is, he was a, a pretty bad uh, football player. And then he, he just started, you know, 
basically hitting the big time, but it was because he's taking performance-enhancing drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And he kind of tries to be cool with all his teammates, and then he sees a video of them all, all mocking him, and he kind of realizes that actually, you know, he's, he's being a little bit fake, and he admits to to taking, you know, the drugs at the end to his yeah, friends. Yeah. Um, so all of them have this arc, and their characters change all the way, all, you know, all, all the way through the film. It's not just like, um, you know, like, like Alex says, like The Hangover, where a lot of the characters don't actually have any kind of resolution. There is a lot of comedy in there as well. You know, Dave mentioned the uh, the uh, box of drugs, yeah. and it's actually only Seth Rogen who takes those, but it, it's actually really funny as well because he starts off with some mushrooms, and then he kind of it's like a joke on the common uh, drug trope where he's like, oh, "I'll take some cocaine now to kind of balance it out a little bit." Oh, okay, so it's 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 it's, it's portrayed. Yeah, it, in a funny way. Yeah, the fact yeah, that there's yeah, so it's, many it's, drugs. It's, it's, it's not it's laughs. It's not played as And though, then, you yeah, know, okay. he has too much cocaine. He's like, oh, I better take some more mushrooms, you know, to yeah. bounce it out again. And then, um, it's you know. It's like the whole thing is just like, it's it's spiraling. Yeah, exactly. you know, it's like bad choices. Like he's trying, he's taking one drug to counteract another drug. Yeah. And the whole thing, as Joel says, is just like, you know, a crescendo of, you know, like of hilarity when it comes to like all this drug taking. And I would say my favorite scene in the whole film is, it's it's kind of coming to a head for Seth Rogen. He's absolutely off his fucking face, um, and he you see him kind of speaking to this guy while he's holding onto a stick, and then it zooms out, and he's actually sat in front of a nativity play outside the church, <laughs> and he's imagining like Joseph talking to him, and he's like stroking you know the sheep and stuff. He, he thinks they're speaking back to him. They're all statues, like, <laughs> and then you know obviously everyone's looking at him like, what the fuck is going on? And then he gets invited into the church. Um, by his wife's family and then you know they're, they're doing mass and then he's like hallelujah you know shouting out and he's like she's like no shh, it's not that type of mass and then um, you know he sees like a picture of Jesus and he's like you know he's like really scared and then his wife's like well you know the, the Jews killed Jesus and then he no, just, no, no, no. He 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 starts thinking that. So what you're saying is the wife. So he gets paranoid about this. So right? he's, he's he's Jewish and he goes inside a, a, Christ, a Catholic mass for the first time ever, essentially. And he's, he's really freaking out at this point. And he looks up and there's a statue of Jesus on the cross. And he's and then he thinks to himself, "Oh my God!" You know, like he said, "Oh, well, well you know, we didn't do that. We didn't do it or whatever." And then he runs out because he's so scared that you know, like he's surrounded by Catholics. And uh, he's wearing a, a, a Jewish Christmas jumper as well. It, it's uh, very obvious that he's Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> as, as, he, as he tries to leave, he ends up just throwing up <laughs> like in, in the aisle because he's so drunk and he can't find his way out. When I actually find, I mean, uh, on Alex's point earlier, is, uh, he, he mentioned that they play, he, he plays upon this uh, being Jewish thing quite a lot. And that, I mean, that's big in American comedy as well, isn't it? A, a lot of... American comics, some of the bigger stars are, are Jewish, and so a lot of the jokes we will have heard, and you'd be more familiar with with well, that vibe. But I, I don't know. Do, do you it, think that really did, did that great upon you? The fact, no, the not, fact that we'd it heard great. them before, it or? doesn't great. It just I'm over familiar with it. Yeah, I guess. okay. So it so just wasn't new. Yeah, it just no. It was just more like yeah. Okay, yeah. I get. I've, I've I've just seen this before. Yeah, yeah rather okay. than this is fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I get that. Okay. At the risk of going back into my. It's a it's an unwholesome film. Mm-hmm. I just want to say about the characters, none of them are particularly likable. I feel for us to get on board with their trip, in, yeah. in, to use a better word, um, with their journey and joining out of the film, it, you need to be in their corner. You need to be on their side. You need to like them. You need to want them to have this story arc, which Joel described. And they do have an arc of sorts, but they're not particularly likable. It's like, you know, Anthony Mackie's storyline comes about because he sees, um, you know, a video of his teammates 
ripping the piss out of him. And it's like, well, why, why can't something nice of him? So you've had to see a yeah, video yeah. of these people to learn their fake friends. It's like, why not just see your real friends and have your story out because you realize how much they care about you? Something a bit more pleasant like that. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, his, his girlfriend broke up with him before the film because he was a bit of an ass. He wouldn't meet her parents. He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that. He seemed like a bit of a tit, to be honest with you. It's like he doesn't deserve her. And Seth Rogen with the whole thing about he records a video to his, his future self while he's high on drugs saying, you know, get rid of that baby. You know, you don't want to have that baby. You're not ready for it. It's going to be a serial killer, that sort of thing. It's just like, they're not particularly likable characters. They're not particularly nice characters. And in a festive film, although, you know, maybe I'm getting caught up in the, uh, the wholesomeness of festive films, I feel you need something a bit more likable, something to get you in the character's corner if you're going to go on this journey with them. Yeah, okay. okay. Characters are not likable. Um, the, the character, I mean, it sounds as though there's, a, there's something about them. Um, however, they are not they are not likable. I it? I would argue that. So I feel that this film is all about change and all about loss as well. So the reason that this this film exists, or you know, the, the tradition here is that they've been going out for fourteen Christmases, Christmas Eves, because Joseph Gordon Levitt lost both of his parents in a car accident, and the the original one was to cheer him up, and each subsequent one has been to you know kind of be with him as well, be his family yeah, yeah. at Christmas time. Now. Joseph Gordon-Levitt hasn't got over that, right? He is still struggling with with the with the well, you know to accept it all. Uh, the Christmas night out with tradition for his uh, is a tradition with his friends. It's coming to an end. He's struggling to accept that as well. He's transitioning to being to being an adult as well. So I think it started when they were twenty and the thirty four. Now you know Chris and Isaac they've both both moved on. They've got really respectable jobs. You know that one of them's got his, their own family. He hasn't. He's still like kind of um, a struggling musician. You know, he, he he's once again he's struggling to become an adult. He's afraid of meeting his ex's parents, and that's why they broke up, as Dave said, because he's afraid of being, I think, in another family in, in case you know he loses them again. It's all about kind of uh, running away from change, and that's why he's, a, as Dave said, a bit of a tit. It's because he's struggling to accept all of this. It's all about grief and how you manage it, and he isn't managing it well at all. He, you know, the only time he feels happy is when they're on this massive bender and when they're all together but his friends are trying to move on his friends are trying to you know go their own way but you know with their characters as well chris as john mentioned before he's afraid that his career is coming to an end and rather than accepting the fact and looking at retirement he's using steroids so we can you know keep on going yeah, yeah. isaac he is struggling with uh, the change of becoming a father dave said he's very unlikable but i would disagree i think he's a very likable character the film starts off with his wife calling him hair rock you see hair dwayne johnson because he's been that supportive he's been that fantastic everybody likes him and she is the one that says here do all these drugs let your hair down you've been amazing for eight months you supported me go and have a good time do you see a bit of yourself in him yes <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing is is that like when he takes the drugs he obviously that brings out the paranoia in him and he starts really worrying and he starts panicking then and that's when he records that message where he calls his baby a cunt <laughs> like, and the thing is is that it is funny it is fun like the fact that this guy who is likable who was so composed who was so like dependable is just freaking out because he's had some drugs and like by the end of it everybody has accepted their change you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt has finally decided yeah okay um, I, I might have lost my parents but I've got a family right here 
here, you know, my friends have been supportive and I shouldn't hold them back by forcing them to do this tradition. I should also be happy to move on with my girlfriend and meet her family. Chris, as Joel said before, he's accepted that he's, you know, doing steroids. He tells everybody, you know, and he, uh, you know, they said that he was going to move on into more community outreach projects. Isaac, you know, he confronts his wife about it, shows her the video. She finds it funny and she's like, you know, I thought you were being really weird because you hadn't had a moment of panic in the entire run-up to, to the birth. And she's like, it's normal. It's normal to feel that way. And you were so pent up that that's why you did this this video. So at the end, they've all kind of realized and accepted their change and they've come together and they're stronger for it. Okay, so it's a real change. It's a real mm. film with a with a message of no, change. That's, and that's overegged it a bit, I think. Like, I, I'm not saying like lots of that's that's all yeah. true. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. That, that I'm not is saying, the story arc. That is the story yeah. arc and stuff like that. But it's a little bit more two dimensional than that. Like, I don't feel you know it's a comedy. Yeah. Like for first and foremost, so yeah, those themes are running all the way through it. But you know, you, you sort of forget about that, and it, it comes back to it every now and again. And I think you know, it's what Gav touched on before. He says it is like a frat pack movie like uh, Knocked Up or Pineapple Express or something like that. But I think, you know, like the, what Dave was talking about before, the fact it's at Christmas means it doesn't quite work. And that's kind of like why I think this film doesn't quite work, actually. Because if it hadn't didn't have the Christmas messaging, you could probably have these quite simple story arcs going on. Nothing wrong with simple, yeah. do you know what I mean? But they're quite simple, but it doesn't go in depth. And I think for a Christmas film, you do need to go a little bit more. Like, you don't... I don't think they are likeable. I agree with Dave. And I don't think you really... You don't know a lot about Joseph and Gordon Levitt. You're told an awful lot about these things. You're not shown them. And I think for a Christmas film, you needed a bit more in-depth, likable characters, as they were saying. Uh, so many, so we're, we're, we're told, we're not shown. Um, one of the things which sometimes uh, I think is easy to miss in a film is maybe we have to read between the lines in this. I mean, what, what's the... In this instance, it doesn't sound like that's the case. It sounds like it's quite a straightforward film where you could easily have picked up on some of these things if they were available to you, if it was there to be to be picked up on. Is that is that a case? Yeah, entirely. Like Alex's argument there, I think it, it doesn't matter. I mean. It, being set at Christmas doesn't make or break the film. You know, it's like Die Hard or Gremlins or whatever, you know, like it's set at Christmas. And I think that like that adds to the film. Uh, but if you took the Christmas element away, it wouldn't detract, you know, uh, too much. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that it is set at Christmas. It's about a Christmas tradition. And, you know, that that is the film. Like the, the real thing is about them and their friendship and the changes that they're dealing with and this this night out. And that's the, the frat element to it. And Alec, Alex was saying that, you know, like, uh, if um, it was maybe a bit too much fratty and, you know, too much of the comedy and it didn't focus on these things enough, I think it, well, if it would have, it would have been too serious and it wouldn't have been as funny as it was. And the, the fact is that, you know, it is a comedy after all. In this, so it is a comedy. It is funny. Are we saying yeah. that it is actually funny? I think funny? it's funny, but it's yeah. it's not like, you know, the hangover where every single scene is just played for, for laughs type of thing. Yeah. You no, know, there isn't like an Alan type character who's, who's like an idiot. Um, but like it, it's mixed in with kind of serious undertones, as you've probably yeah. kind of picked up on. So it, it's not like a laugh every single minute. But then, you know, like that scene I described with Seth Rogen in the church, there's those kind of odd scenes kind of splattered throughout the film. So you will definitely laugh out loud at some point in the film, whether you enjoy the film as a whole or not, you will yeah. definitely there's, laugh. There's, there's still funny bits in there for everyone, yeah, regardless of sure, whether you're yeah. enjoying the film or not. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it as, as a given that you guys are gonna say that's not true. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I kind of wouldn't disagree. I'd there say are some funny bits. In yeah, it. there are some funny like the the bit in the church yeah. and the bit that those for me were the two funny bits. Yeah, 
Okay. Mm. So, so we're at, yeah, yeah, for me. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. a couple of funny bits, but a lot of the humour gets a bit weird and a bit wacky. Maybe it's the drugs part of it, but there's also the very end of it, right? They, they go get weed from their old gym teacher. Mr. Green, is that, is that yeah, name? Yeah. yeah, Mr. Green, played by Michael Shannon. Um, so yeah, there's this guy who used to sell drugs to kids, who they've gone back to, vis- uh, to visit him and get weed from him. Sorry, I was just untangling the cat's yeah, tail yeah, from no, the microphone I'm, lead. I'm, I'm appreciating the view. It's <laughs> quite, it's quite, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this very bizarre character, at the end of the film, they find his car, like, abandoned, because Seth Rogen thinks his wife's in labor, so he's got to rush off to see her. And it turns out at that point that Mr. Green is an angel. <laughs> Not only that, he set up the, the nutcracker ball, the secret party they're trying to get into, and he gets a bit weird at that point. So, okay, he's an angel. Right, that's one thing. This guy who sells drug to kids. Yeah. Um, and he's also Santa's son. Okay. Now, angels are the children of Santa. I don't really... It, I think it just got a little convoluted and a bit weird. And I think, although someone might find that funny, it's it, it's weirdness for weirdness' sake. I was just going to say, is it, is it just it just part of their humour, the bit of the drug humour? Yeah, the... possibly, but it kind of falls flat. It doesn't really make much sense. You get, you get a bit lost and entangled in that one. I think Dave's been a bit too much into this one. Like, but he does say when he's with Santa at the end, he's like, oh yeah, thanks, Pop. You know, yeah. job well done. I mean, like, he could what? just be calling them Pop because, you know, like that's a term of affection. But, I'm but... pretty sure he's Santa's son. But the <laughs> <laughs> okay, bear in I mean, mind, Sansa is played by Tracy Morgan as well. You know, like and the, Tracy Morgan acts as the narrator throughout, and it's like his narration is just very funny. It's just it's sort of like in the the rhyming style of the night before Christmas. Yeah. But you know, there's obviously but it's, it's funny. It's rhymes. foul mouth, and he's he, talking about he, drugs. He and whatnot. It. It's not all the way through, is it? Yeah, no, it's just he the book ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then at the end, you re- reveal it. it's Father Christmas, and then it's Tracy Morgan being Tracy Morgan, just being you know hilarious. And I think. With Mr. Green being an angel, yeah, it's a bit wacky, but you know what? It's, you know, I'm I, I, what, you know, there's wacky bits in planes, trains, and automobiles, you know, when they're riding through, and, you know, uh, Steve Martin turns to John Candy and he's, you know, he's the devil, or, you know, he's a yeah. skeleton, you know what I mean? It's like, there are, there are wacky bits in films, and I don't think really think that the, yeah, yeah, the totally tracks from it. I didn't, like, because it happens right at the end, I didn't look at that and go, well, that's just ruined it for me now, you know? Mm. It's yeah, just yeah, a very yeah. weird kind of ending to the film. It's just very. It's like they just say, this wasn't festive enough, let's shoehorn in Santa and an angel reference, and then it's it's a wonderful life, or it, it shoehorned the, the festive message back. And but I, I, but I, I said think... I respect your opinion. <laughs> I really respect your opinion. And I appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Gav. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Alex has been waiting very patiently here. Well, I, so, I'm yeah. very patient because I respect you both. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, like, I'm going to raise a point that probably won't even make that much difference, but it's so outrageous in the film that I just has to be said like the product placement of red bull in this film is just like oh no i've not i've not seen a film like like i'm saying i don't think this is going to sway your thing anymore but it's absolutely ludicrous and it did like for me it did make me think like well this is just the christmas message goes out when you're just trying to like overtly sell there's just so many bits where the the limo they're in is red bull and i know there's a point for why it's red bull but literally at different points about four or five times someone's like oh just calm down and have, have yourself bull. a red bull <laughs> like it's just absurd like it like we when i was watching it like in every scene when they're walking through a shop hey look at that big stack of red bull like it's it's outrageous so for the, product placement the, the main reason that it's in there is because chris anthony mackie's character he is as joel said before is a sports star and he's being sponsored by red bull right and that is the reason why he's like kind of constantly like oh red bull red bull red bull that's why they get the red bull limo because he's sponsored by red bull 
So, go on. No, the real reason that in is because Red Bull paid an awful lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's, that's the real reason yeah, yeah. it's in. Yeah, I know that's the real reason, but in the film, but that they, is the reason they, in so the they, film. So they, they wrote in a reason within the film to cover... Yeah. Like I say, it's not a big so. point, but you can't... I mean, you know. like, you know, how many films have got product placement these days? You know, like, even when I was watching but, Avengers Endgame, like, yeah. there's, there's the scene when uh, Tony Stark pulls up in, what is it, an Audi, and the emphasis that's put on that car, and yeah. Steve Rogers, like, taking a step back and going, wow, nice but, wheels or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, I haven't seen product placement this bad since iRobot. Remember yeah. Yeah. I mean, Converse, yeah. Nice shoes, man. <laughs> <laughs> Converse. Yeah. Okay, well, so, right, so we've, we've touched on comedy, we've touched on product placement we've touched on uh characters um and i suppose we touched a little bit on the cast is that people are essentially playing themselves with that's their their normal comic persona as a character would you agree with that is that essentially Um, it i mean seth rogan often plays a similar character um but i think that's kind of the whole thing, you know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a piss take. There's lots of kind of references to other films in the this. Two. Okay, um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, he plays somebody different every time. Um, and Anthony Mackie again, you know, I, I he it's not like he's playing somebody who's played before. Um, they're all different characters, and I would say they're all very well rounded as well. And the supporting cast, you know, the wives, the girlfriends, uh, Mister Green. You know, I think they're all doing a really good job. There's no one character that you think, oh, you know, well, that was kind of a a pointless addition or, you know, anything like that. I think the characters are are really well spent and everyone kind of gets equal airtime, I would say. It's not like, you know, there's there's one main character, there's there's three, and then there's a a really strong uh, bunch of supporting cast in there as well. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, Dave, as a contrary to that? Yeah, I'd say the actors are, are fine, but they're all very much confined to their box. You know, no one really is, is expected to push the boundaries of this one at all. And I don't think it's the actors' fault, I think it's just the way the, the characters have been written. There's not really a great deal there to work with, apart from Seth Rogen, who is very much in his box, lid nailed shut, and he's playing Seth Rogen. And everyone else just kind of like, it, it plays it safe, I would say. Like, so I would say that, like, Seth Rogen is playing Seth Rogen. I mean, you know, what, what do you expect? That's, that's his brand, you know what I mean? Like, like, he is playing himself. You look at a lot of famous comedy actors like Will Ferrell, Bill Murray yeah. even, you know, they play versions of themselves. Uh, no, Will Ferrell plays lots of different characters. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I you know personally, know. I think Will Ferrell plays Will Ferrell. I in, think Will Ferrell plays everything. Will Ferrell, yeah. and I think Seth Rogen does the same thing. Yeah, I mean, and that, but that's not to say yeah. that they're bad. I mean, a lot of, like, great actors just play different variations of themselves. And yeah, admittedly, they'll play, like, like sometimes they might play different characters but in if you look at like Seth Rogen's film list and Will Ferrell's you could say a lot of those films contain very very similar characters you know might have played some different characters here and there but like the core bulk of their films similar variations of themselves and there's nothing wrong with that and when you're talking about you know like um, going into a lot of um, Jewish comedy I think well that, that's important for Seth Rogen because that's who he is that's his identity and that is something I don't think that we've seen before wait in a Christmas film I don't think we've seen you know kind of like a Jewish person's perspective of Christmas like in, in a Christmas film I, I, I mean I've seen, the, I've seen the nativity 
Actually, the entire <laughs> Christmas, Christmas story. story is told <laughs> from the perspective of some Jewish people. <laughs> okay, in the, in the 21st century, in the 21st century, and uh, you know, and I think for once, it's it's refreshing. You know, like uh, admittedly, you know, it's it's his same sort of style of humor and comedy that he's done in previous yeah. films like Pineapple Express. But here, in a Christmas setting, it's it's unique. It's original. Um, I, I, like I wanted to say as well. I mean, Joel's covered off the other characters, but. Um, one of my really like favorite bits about this is Gillian Bell, who I really who I really like uh, as an actress. But one thing that really fucks me off uh, in in films is that there's type of roles for wives and girlfriends that if they say what um, they will often kind of say to the husband, "No, don't do that," or whatever, they'll yeah. be the voice of reason, right? Now, for once, she's playing like an independent well-written female character that's a side character and she's not a stereotype. She's not like a doting mother or, you know, she, she's not like a nagging wife. She's just a well-written character. I was saying before, like there's so many times in films like The Hangover or Christmas Vacation or whatever, where if you, if the man or the, the you know, the husband yeah, yeah. or whatever would have done what the wife would have said, the film would have either ended or wouldn't have been fun, right? And that happens time and time and time again in films, especially Christmas films as well. And for once, she's the main driver. She's the one that says, listen, you've been so sensible. You've been so dependable. Here's a bunch load of drugs. Go and have a good night. So she is the catalyst for this film. And like, even after he's done all the drugs and he's freaked out and he sent that video message and he's got really pissed and the calamities happened at the end, she's not nagging. She's not like, oh, well, you shouldn't have done this. She's so understanding, you know, it's, she's just a good written character and it's, I just think it's so rare in these type of films I, I agree but you know these are the types of films that these people do the, the thanks for pack... validating Gab's opinion <laughs> <laughs> I do agree but the frat pack films it is and, and you know I was expecting it to be a bit of a shrew and yeah, yeah, I, I was yeah. I was like oh this is good actually for frat pack films but I don't think just because it's not sexist it should be given credit it's just doing what a lot of films oh, should, yeah, haven't should done be, before should be doing it. yeah no, it's just I, what films should be doing no, and, yeah, and what those like, other films yeah but they do should already. be doing it but they're, they're more often not and the thing is is that it is so refreshing to see this it's it's been done a lot before you know it's uh, you know they they didn't have to i I, I don't know i I just wouldn't i'd say it's nice and it's a good addition but yeah okay uh, i would say if it was the opposite would be sticking the knife in yeah i I think (laughs) because it's this way it deserves you know a bit of of credit on the back Okay, like tickle well, of the testicles. One last one. My last little last thing, tickle. definitely a little tickle of uh, the testicles, <laughs> <laughs> is just um, the the, uh, the the character in the, the the acting in it is okay. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. But the, I just my, my my thing before. There's no one massive chaotic moment that you'd go away from this film thinking, so, "Oh, that bit." So it's act- it's actually a story issue that you're dealing yeah, with. And, and just, just a, I think the actors could have done a bit more. No if it had, yeah. If it had like that massive moment, it would have been yeah. better. Well, I, I think there is a bit right. There's, so there's a bit. Like Later on, when the, the three of them together, the whole thing is that, like, for 14 years, uh, Ethan has been trying to get them along to the Nutcracker Ball, they, yeah. but they just didn't know where it was. They finally got tickets, and he's like, this is it, guys. We're going to the ball. And the other two were just so, you know, like, not interested. Because they're not forced anymore. They're exactly. Right, well, uh, well, Seth Rogen is just, is, is fucked up. He's taking loads of drugs, and he's freaking out. There's been a, 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 a mistake where he's accidentally swapped phones with Mindy, um, sorry, sorry uh, what was the name? Sarah, sorry. He swapped pho- uh, phones with a co-worker mm-hmm. and he's trying to get his phone back because he's worried that like his wife's going to see that video that he recorded. 
right? So he's trying to do that. Anthony Mackie's character, um, Chris, he is trying to get like a load of drugs for one of his teammates. His teammate has asked him to bring loads of uh, cannabis to this nutcracker ball. So he's trying to get loads of drugs and he can't find it. So they're both wrapped off in their own worlds. And Ethan's like, this should be about me. This is our tradition. This is where you support me and you're not supporting me. And there's a point where they say, I'm sorry, we just need to go. And I need to go and get my phone. I need to go and get these drugs. And they abandon him. And at that point, he gets beaten up by two uh, Father Christmases. And that, that is the low point. And he thinks that his friends don't care and whatever. They've split up. They all go and do their separate things. And then later on in the Nutcracker Ball, they realize that actually, what the fuck are they doing? They should be enjoying this together. And then they all come together after they've been thrown out. Yeah. And it says, we didn't need the ball. We didn't need the tradition. We just needed ourselves. And that's how the film ends. Yeah, so, so it does have a wholesome story. In terms of, okay, I think we dealt with the story. We dealt with the characters. We dealt with the cast. Um, we dealt with the comedy. What about actually the way it's shot, like the direction, the the the, the tempo? Is it how long? How how long is the running time? Probably about an hour and a half. So. Yeah, a bit more, about okay. an hour and forty, I think. But, so it doesn't yeah. necessarily outstay no, as well. It it's no. easy enough to watch an hour and, and it's and it's you know perfectly finely shot. It's not yeah. like I wouldn't say, and you wouldn't expect anything more in, from a film like this, yeah. really. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't badly. It's 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 well made. It's like you said earlier on. It's it's inoffensive in terms of its. Yeah, belt, it's fine. Yeah. What I would say, Ozzy, is you know, in a world of pretty much non-stop shit. Yep. new Christmas films. You know, <laughs> yeah. this really is like a, a hidden gem, I would say. I encourage everybody to go and watch it. Yeah, what about the music? Uh, well, it's, it's still Christmas standard Christmas, Christmas, Christmas films. Christmas, Christmas songs, films. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's, there's more rare ones, I think. Um, like Christmas uh, rapping is in there, which uh, I love, by the way, just that doesn't appear a lot, I don't think. And uh, what's the one DMZ one? It's in there as well. Yeah, there's, there's a, a bit of so there's, so there's a few yeah. other yeah. O- other sort of alternative Christmas yeah. tunes in there. So it's nice enough. It, it's pleasant, and, and it's got the Christmas tunes in, there, like you said, for maybe background watching. Yeah. Like meh, keep make the, make make your house feel like Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can, can I just have a, one tiny bit more about some of the characters? Because I don't like we've spoken about the core cast members, but I, I, what I really enjoyed about this is there's a, like such a great support and uh, cast when it comes to like comedic. Uh, comedy actors essentially um, we mentioned before about Mindy Kaling who's uh, one of Isaac's co-workers Tracy Morgan is the foul mouth Santa as well uh, Nathan Fielder from Nathan For You he plays like this awkward limo driver who's trying to be one of the guys but he, you know, he's just not he's hopeless uh, Jason Manzukas as well who I absolutely love he's one of the bad Santas that beats up um, Ethan and then James Franco appears later on as well in this like hilarious self-parodying performance because um you find out that Isaac and Sarah have swapped phones because Isaac sat there and he gets sent a dick pic, as I alluded to before. And he's like, why the hell is this? And this is a really funny scene. And like, why am I being sent a dick pic? Who's, 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 uh, who's James? Is it like <laughs> James McCarthy from work? Like, why is he sending me a pic? You know, what does it do? And then he's like, the, you know, James says, really do you like it? it? He's like, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I do. I mean, you know, <laughs> and it's a very, very funny scene. And then later on, you find out that like they'd swap phones and it was actually James Franco. And this, then this, this whole scene of him playing this really exaggerated version of himself where he's like playing up on some of the stereotypes and characteristics that like national press have attributed to him. So, okay, yeah. So and, just, you know, it's just, it's very good. Okay. So it's quite knowing. Um, I, I don't know. I think I've got enough to, to try mm. and well over. Uh, yeah. I don't want to hear everyone's individual uh, <laughs> storyline this time, but uh, no, that's good. I'll have a little think about this. Has somebody got a quiz? Uh, certainly have. I've tried to make it uh, easy to be honest. Um, although, you know, it depends on your own kind of point of view. So this one may be a little bit more difficult. I wouldn't have got it, but it depends on your musical taste. So question one, 
Uh, what song do the guys play while dancing on the big piano? Oh. Uh, I don't know, something by Kanye West, though. It is Kanye West, I'll give you the point for that. It's a song called Runaway by Kanye West. Oh. Um, so, what type of film connects the three main characters? What type of film or what film? What type of film? Mm, frat pack films? Nope. Oh, bam! Yep. Uh, superhero films. Uh, yep, correct. So yep, you've got the Green Hornet, Dark Knight Rises, and obviously Auntie Mackie oh, yeah. is, is in the Marvel films. Oh, the um, Green Hornet, yeah. So Gav's on two points. So this is the second film in which Anthony Mackie uses performance-enhancing drugs. Does Bam. anyone know the other one? Pain and Gain. <laughs> I knew you'd get that one. <laughs> Star <laughs> uh, the is rock. Pain and Gain. Um, okay, question everyone four. Everyone yet to point. <laughs> <laughs> Gillian Bell, uh, which is Seth Rogen's missus in this film, she starred in another comedy Christmas film released one year later. What one is it? Do not know. Comedy Christmas film? Yep. I'll give you a clue. Bam. It's got... Bad Mom's Christmas? No, it's got Jason Bateman oh, and yeah, Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Office Christmas Party. <laughs> Office Christmas Party. Mm-hmm. Gav's on four out of four so far. Shit. Um, he's making you look stupid here, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so question five Lizzie Kaplan uh, which is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in- love interest uh, her first big break came in which Cam Corder movie Bam. Dave Cloverfield it is Cloverfield ah, well done I make thought you was... look stupid <laughs> <laughs> film version of you've been framed was it <laughs> so this question is a little bit more difficult but it depends how well Rehearsed your own serial killers. Michael Shannon plays Iceman. Which serial killer is this based on? Um, Obviously, it is the Iceman, but what's his real name? Is it Richard Kalinsky? It is, Dave. You're pulling yeah. it back. Wow. So it's 4-2 at the moment. Um, 4 2 nil, nil. Well, At least we can. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, still on the scoreboard. I'll, tell you what, I'll, I'll add um, Brucey and Ale- Brucey and Ozzy together. So you're on zero. <laughs> hey. um, what does the nati- so uh, when uh, Isaac is off his face on drugs and he's talking to the nativity? Uh, what does um, the piece say his name is? Um, Spencer. I was just, I buzzed, come on, I, I took buzzed. his buzz. I've got to give one to Alex. Just and, and Ozzy. And Ozzy. But I'll yeah, give it to you as well, Dave. Just, thank oh. you. So it's 4-3-1. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what did the night before gross? So it was predicted between 20 and 100 million. So to the nearest kind of million gets it. Ozzy, you can guess this oh, one as well. So it's predicted when? How much? Between 20 and 100. Right, I'm going to say 12 million. Are we are we talking international never, or domestic? Just complete gross. I don't so. think I'd ever heard of it. So I'm going to say I'm guessing, forty-two million. I'm, I'm guessing ninety. Dave seventy-seven. Uh, Bruce is closest, so it grossed fifty-two point four million, right, which cool. was actually a lot more than expected. We're up Aussie. <laughs> yeah. um, so four, three, two, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt had his first big executive producer role on which film that he also starred in? Bam, fifty-fifty. Nope. Bam. Third Rock from the Sun, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Bam. Looper. It is Looper. Oh. oh Dave's on four as well. <laughs> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> My pants it's great. Down. Do you like Looper, Joel? Um, I did, and then I found out Brian <laughs> Johnson directed it. <laughs> uh, so, two more questions. So Shit. It, it's getting tense here at Christmas time. Um, which of Seth Rogen's high? Sorry, what are Seth Rogen's highest grossing films? Bam. Who's he? Knocked up and probably not the Green Hornet. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> neither, neither. Neither. Dave or Gav? 
for Ozzy. I've got no idea. I don't even know what he's been in. <laughs> Ozzy, yeah, you enjoy this film? Um, I don't know. Is it Hocus Pocus? You've, you've mentioned it before. Hocus Pocus. Um, it was. A, <laughs> you mentioned it in a film feels about two or three episodes Bam. ago. Is Anchorman? Because oh. it count oh, that? Anchorman. Oh, Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Hey. Oh, okay. It's actually The Lion King is his top one. And oh, then Kung Fu Panda, yeah, one, two, and three. <laughs> do, do, do we get the point? Uh, Ozzy gets a point. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. Um, oh, so, four, four, four. Let's end on that. <laughs> I, I reckon this one's really easy as well. So the first one who buzzes in, do not shout out the answer Bam. or you get a minus point. Okay. Um, so Anthony Mackie plays the Falcon Bam. in Marvel films. <laughs> what is his actual character name? Oh, no idea. Bam. Dave? Sam Wilson. It is oh, Sam Wilson. I, wow. I deserve to Because it's, because it's Christmas. Well I want to give that point to Alex and I was going to send on 444. Let's keep it 444. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but 4-0 up, Gav. It's like Istanbul. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> film's on trial version of Istanbul. And for uh, anyone who's not aware of football references, that was a Liverpool <laughs> FC Champions League football reference. Thanks, as he said, did not get. No just, just in case anyone thought we were talking about some sort of uh, <laughs> some just, sort of war zone. Just to, just to rub more salt in the wounds as well. He, he brings up a Liverpool FC reference. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I felt like this was a lot tighter than than it should have been. I don't know. I, it was hard to even read the room, and there was a lot of. It was very. Um, polite leave the room did you just say to, yeah, to read to oh. read the room you know quite often you can tell when people are, are lying or or saying things a little bit exaggerated whereas actually this time around i thought there seemed to be a lot of truth in everyone's eyes people seemed to believe what they were saying <laughs> um which maybe is is why this this film was in the hat in the first place is that it's, it seems quite quite 50 50 um i get the impression that it's not the most meaningful of films even though it's got a message throughout it um it sounds like there's a lot of attempts at comedy that maybe don't always land but there's enough in there for for everyone seems fairly inoffensive it's got lots of christmas tunes in i'm gonna look at it from the the point of view that it's clearly meant to be a christmas film and i think it's going to be one of those ones that gets shown every christmas for from now until till tv is no longer a thing so um <laughs> for that re- <laughs> the apocalypse thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so I'm, I'm gonna put on the hit list um i think it, i think it just about ends up on there it, it's a lot better than other christmas films is what it sounds like okay genuine opinions i overact it slightly but i massively enjoy it you know i stand by pretty much everything i say i do think in a world of really bad christmas films it's it's a kind of hidden gem type of thing i just disagree with that sorry joel but i do love you um, <laughs> and just say I, it's just a bit bland for me and i could watch it again and i probably yeah. wouldn't even remember what had happened mm-hmm. i actually quite liked it oh. i enjoyed it i thought it was it's not laugh out loud funny but it's funny enough that it keeps you entertained i'd watch it again i really would it's better than the average christmas yeah. film okay yeah i i, I do like it I, I watched it when it first came out I just don't think it was in the right frame of mind. But I watched it this time around and, you know, I was laughing. And I wouldn't say it's, you know, the best Christmas film I've made, but, you know, it's definitely better than a hell of a lot of the other ones that have been released. And it's, it has 
somebody said, I can't remember who, it's good to just have on in the background, you know, like kind yeah. of uh, like when you're wrapping your Christmas presents or writing your cards, whatever, just looking up or just hearing something funny and laughing every now and again. It's, you know, it's, it's good for that. Isn't it funny how some arguments one week will go one way? I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I would say, actually, the only reason I watch it is just to remember how bad the Red Bull is because I'm not sure it's if I've so overdone obvious. it in my mind. Yeah. But there were so many bits where it was just like, man, just calm down and, have a nice Red Bull. Yeah. No, so, I mean, drink. Because yeah, Red Bull <laughs> mellows you out, doesn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, I, I, can vague, I, can, I can vaguely remember it, and I, I think, I can't remember whether I thought it was funny or not, but sorry, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'd be interested It's Christmas time, so, I think you'll so I got a feel for it. Um, so, yeah. L- tune in next week to find out what I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, anybody got any trivia? Um, none. No, no. I got one. The dick pics weren't actually James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> or that's what they'd like it to believe anyway <laughs> um, okay. I feel lied to really. <laughs> so higher or lower than our previous film on trial which was Love Actually which yeah. scored on Rotten Tomatoes 64% I'm going to go lower but not a great deal I'm going to say almost exactly the same yeah I don't think there's going to be much in it I'm going to say slightly lower okay I'll go, I'll go uh, I'm going to go higher because I think we've said two lowers so okay uh, Lostin is the only one who's right it is higher 67 percent oh, so not much higher not much higher but still higher let's remember that <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. we've had a nice episode guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. don't start divisions now <laughs> so once again I put up a poll on Twitter over the weekend to ask our friends and followers which list the night before should be placed on 71 percent of our listeners decided that it should be placed on the hit list so oh, okay quite similar I think like most of the scores on on our like Twitter poll do sort of reflect the general consensus of uh, you know Rotten Tomatoes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, That's not Alex, <laughs> <laughs> never me. Um, before we adjourn the case, it's time for a little caption contest. So what I do here is I take a screenshot of the film, place it on Twitter, ask our friends and followers to provide a funny caption with the best one winning a frog-shaped chocolatey treat. So the caption here is all three of the main cast pouring a bit of their drinks over what looks to be a grave. So you guys just got to pick the funniest. Starting with number one, the Green Hornet, Robin and the Falcon walk into a bar. <laughs> number, <laughs> is that it? Oh, okay. uh, you've you, you got to finish your own joke. Uh, number two, <laughs> uh, pour one out for the death of our depth perception. Ooh. Uh, number three, this one's for the Green Hornet. <laughs> number four, when another friend falls to marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say who's posted that <laughs> but they should know better <laughs> number five it's so hard to say goodbye I that's a song I don't know I'm sorry I should have looked up to see what song that was Dave I have no idea oh okay you're some, usually like an encyclopedia when it comes to music um, number six what happens when well, sorry, what, he's an encyclopedia when it comes to encyclopedias <laughs> <laughs> sorry I probably should have been singing it in tune uh, so what happens when you were young getting skint so bought a big bottle of one pound cider thinking ah how bad could it be <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely been there pal I think when I was younger though I would have drank that I know <laughs> I was just thinking we wouldn't have wasted that no, I, I couldn't afford the paper yeah. bag they've got either <laughs> okay number whatever uh, must be bad dump it hashtag expiration date 1999 <laughs> uh, I've also been there too unfortunately uh, number 8 I'm still drunk <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when I brought those uh, cans around to yours earlier on was it this year or was it last Christmas and uh we gave it to Steve, and, and and you guys have brought them to mine like ten years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I thought they looked familiar. <laughs> was he alright? Was he fine? Well, I mean, we didn't hear Is he ever alright? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't hear anything from him for like three days. Uh, next one, wetting the baby's head seems like such a waste. We should be drinking this. <laughs> and the last one, rehearsals for the remake of Cocktail were not going well. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for the first one, to be honest. I like the uh, the Falcon Robin Hood. Well, no, I, Robin Hood one. I, I like about... the cheap cider one, you know, that's very relatable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Austin? Cheap cider. I might go with cheap cider as well. Okay, congratulations to Christian Radnage. You've just won yourself a Flippity Freddo. Right, so just before we give it a day, call it a day, sorry, uh, we wanted to give a shout out to one of our podcasting friends. Um, how did this get made? Now, this uh, pretty much, I'm mentioning this because I mentioned Jason Mansukas before. If you haven't listened to this show before, stop what you're doing now and check it out because it is absolutely hilarious. It's presented by Paul Shear, Dan Rayfield and Jason Mansukas and each week they review a hilariously awful film and they ask, how did this get made? It's incredibly funny. They have regular guests from film, TV, podcasts, you know, who are all super famous. They're all very famous themselves. Uh, so they've probably appeared in something that you really like. In fact, they're probably too good for this shout out. Ignore everything I've just said. <laughs> You'll probably just end up liking this show more than you would ours. Uh, anyway, like if you want to check them out, they are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and just um, anything. Just type in, how did this get made on Google and you will get something. Uh, so... Next week's film has been picked out of our festive hat and it is the 1988 Christmas classic comedy Scrooged, which has been recommended to us by my DVD shelf because I own it on DVD and it's easy to share around the group. Uh, anyway, the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So in the role of defense is going to be myself and Ozzy. In the role of prosecution is going to be Joel. And in the role of judge is going to be Dave. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Alex won't be joining us next week because he's going to be too busy being visited by three spirits yeah. in the night. <laughs> now, thank you to everybody who's listened to this episode. If you liked the episode, please remember to like, share and subscribe. And if you're feeling in the festive spirit, why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? Just spread the warm love that is films on trial in as many years as possible. And check out our Twitter page, at Film Trials. Check out our fantastic graphic artist, Winston Sang, while you're there, at the underscore quirks. Check out our website, filmsontrial.co.uk, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you very much. What have we just reviewed? The night before. (laughs) (laughs) Went on the hit list. And it went on the... Where did it go? Hit list. The hit list. (laughs) And it was good. Yes. And we will be in your ears next week with what we're doing. Scrooge. You are nailing this this, this sign up. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) 